Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey everybody, it is episode 159. Today is March 26th, 2020. You're listening to Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Blake Arnsdorf. Oh, yeah. Happy to be back in the podcast seat on another Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Back in the virtual podcast studio. Man, I love hanging out with you on, on Thursdays, Blake. We usually have some preamble before the show. It's it's good stuff. Some preamble? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Are we Congress? You know, that stuff. What's that? Are we Congress? Yeah. Uh, we, you know what? So I'm, I'm going to say this up front. So I had this in the programming notes. I want to say this up front guys. Look like we know the, the whole thing with the virus. It's really gotten a lot of people down, uh, us included. And I'll, I'll be honest, you know, the stories, the, the stories are not flowing right now. Um, obviously because the world is shut down and not a lot is going on. So here's, here's our deal with you. We understand that a lot of our listeners are no longer commuting. And that makes listening to podcasts difficult. Um, so also talking about the virus just in general on the show bums Blake and I out. Uh, like th- that's it. it. It does. So we will cover any interesting like human factors topics as it pertains to the virus uh, if they do come up. And it's just an undeniable link to human factors. But I think for the foreseeable future until the world starts picking up, what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple stories that you know uh, like i said news is news is uh very very slim right now so what we'll do is we'll probably take either one or two stories take them talk about them do uh do a quick community update and then get out of here uh so i'm thinking probably about 30 minute episodes and that'll make it a little bit easier to listen to you know in this time of uncertainty where not a whole lot of commuting is going on it's difficult to listen to uh we're hoping to kind of be an escape for you we don't like I said, we just get bummed out. I don't know. Yeah. Like, did you have anything else you want to add to that? No, I just want to echo those sentiments, right? Like, I think a lot of us, I think just about everybody is probably getting bombarded by coronavirus something or another, whether it's Instagram, email, or just turning on the TV. So we want to try and be a, a more of a, a fun and lighthearted element of where we can. Now, please, if you're in our, a member of our Slack or are considering joining our Slack, please do. And do share stories you find interesting or that have any kind of connection to the coronavirus, we're happy to share them amongst our community and even talk about them as well on the podcast. But Nick and I would definitely like to, I don't know, take a break from a little bit of the chaos and just enjoy each other's company and provide you guys with fun com- fun content that's related to human factors as much as we can outside of kind of the hard times everybody's going through. Happy, upbeat stories. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of happy, upbeat stories, we got two of them this week. We have an upgraded Google Glass that helps autistic kids see emotions. And a school teacher is getting creative by using VR to teach math in Half-Life Alex, a new VR game that just released. So uh, those are the two stories that we're going to be talking about this week. But first, we got some programming notes with the Patreon refresh. I know we mention this every week, but we are super proud of Human Factors Minute. Um, it is a highly produced, highly researched show where Blake and I break down individual topics in human factors, condense all that research into a minute's length or just thereabout, and we disseminate it on our Patreon site. 
for all the people who choose to support the show. Um, it's a great way to enjoy content, especially right now when no one's commuting. You can take a quick hit of human factors in a, in a minute. <laughs> Blake's drinking over there. He almost spit out his drink. Just a quick hit of human factors. <laughs> Just a quick hit of human factors. Uh, anyway, yeah. So again, I do have this in our in our show notes again. To reiterate, our shows are going to be shorter. I think we're moving to about half an hour. Uh, so with that, Blake, what's been going on in your world? Man, I gotta tell you, I am loving remote work. I think I'm one of those people that was meant for it. Uh, so it's been a fun week. Lots of lots of cool open source tools that I'm getting to like kind of play around with outside of the norm. Um, but you and I actually talked about something I thought was fun when we started the podcast or before we started the podcast, I guess, about like how are we using some of the extra time we might have or some of our downtime when we're being at home. And one thing that I found really fun is going back and kind of reinvigorating my love for music. So that's been something I've been putting a lot of effort into and stock into is just playing guitar taking guitar lessons and actually looking into music production courses that are like a month long and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of really where my focus has been is just, you know, staying connected, enjoying myself, spending spending a lot of time with my dog and my girlfriend, Elise, who's been on the show multiple times, and then just playing a lot of music, man. So it's been it's been a lot of fun over the past week for sure, uh, just kind of getting to enjoy myself. But what have you been up to? What are kind of things that are going on in your world right now? I don't know. So, I mean, I have in here living with the threat of COVID-19 and like, I don't know. It's weird because you're quarantined, uh, us here in San Diego, you know, the beaches, the parks, the, everything's closed. And so, uh, you know, I think one thing that I've done is uh, I've gone backwards on systems. I've, I've started playing some of the stuff that I missed in between generations between uh, Nintendo DS and, and Nintendo Switch. I've bought a 3DS, which is a really interesting piece of technology. Um and so I've been going back and playing some titles that I've missed there. Uh, but additionally, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of getting used to this whole, like, not going out thing. We've had several delivery services. I mean, we're fortunate enough to be able to afford delivery services um, to our door. And I think, you know, the line was kind of established when we saw there were infant cases in San Diego. Um, and, you know, with a small infant that you might hear in the in the background, um, you know, I, I think there that was kind of the line for us. Like, hey, we're staying in. Anything that we're ordering, you know, we're trying to get to our door. Um, and it's uh, it's been pretty great. Um, you know, it's just kind of very convenient. Although we are getting kind of cabin fevery, and the whole construct of time uh, is becoming uh, interesting. So I started telecommuting about a month and a half ago. And, you know, the first couple of weeks were fine. Uh, because, you know, it, it, I could go out after work and on the weekends we could go out and do things and plan events and stuff. And now we can't, and it's just inside all the time. And time is this weird wishy washy thing that feels, honestly, it feels a lot like, you know, when that, that month that I was off for paternity leave, you know, it's like, you just don't know what time it is outside. You know, it's 12 o'clock at night. You're like, oh, I got to wake up in like five hours for work. And then, <laughs> you know, it's like this weird, weird thing, man. I don't know. Like, I, hopefully I'm not alone in this and other people are experiencing it too. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's banter's going to be interesting for the next couple of weeks on the show because I don't know how much else, uh, you know, I can talk about from a human factors perspective. I just like, you know, the, the delivery service. Yes, it's very easy for me. You press a button, you you can order your entire week on Grubhub and just say, 
I want this, that, the other thing uh, on Monday and this on Tuesday and this on Wednesday and that on Thursday and that on Friday. And they'll Wait, just order what? it all in advance. You can do it. Are you serious? You can, just, you can order like a week in advance? A week in advance. You just order it. And then Dude. on Monday, it shows up at noon and you're like, oh, heck yeah, that's right. I ordered this. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I it's the this wildest coming. thing. Uh, it's the wildest thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, Wednesday. Oh, dinner's here. <laughs> That's you know, we're not doing it. Awesome. We're not doing it for every meal, but you know, it's it's we've done it a couple times this week just because we're uh, you know the dishes are piling up a little bit and we're kind of slacking a little bit with the cleaning, but it's a uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird time that we're living in, but um, you know, once once everything goes back to normal, um, yeah, we'll get out and and do the whole whole thing again. Uh, finding you, interesting ways. To, I just can't understand how you or you don't understand how much you just blew my mind that you could order food for like the entire week and just be oh, chilling, yeah, just planning. Hanging. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I, I actually have been enjoying, um, like being able to support local businesses still because when we got like kind of the the whole you're actually going to be quarantined, you're not allowed to leave the house. Like it's not just a recommendation anymore. Um, that was kind of a shock to me. And so I've I've often worried like or felt very fortunate that I'm able to keep my job and keep working and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but like being able to support local businesses by doing takeout and being able to do delivery services has been kind of it just makes me feel good that, to be supporting the local community because um, I know that grocery stores seem to be OK. I mean, they're like having a hard time even keeping things on shelves. But like all these kind of local mom and pop shops that are in my area or even in, in tangentially on the way to work or places I used to go all the time, it's nice that they can still kind of stay open to try and like keep keep their keep the like weight under their feet and all that kind of good stuff. Right. So it's uh it's been a, it's definitely an interesting time and hopefully you and I'll have some different things to banter about or more positive things as we continue to go on through this because it for all for. For all intents and purposes, it seems like our country's kind of doing the right thing in terms of trying to, you know, quarantine people that they can, all that kind of good stuff. So it's it's just a, a strange and tough time. Yeah, well, anyway, let's talk about some positive stuff. I'm going to go ahead and move us into Human Factors News. This is the part of the show where we talk about all about Human Factors News. Uh, this could be anything uh, as long as it's not cor- coronavirus related. I think that's fair game uh, for us <laughs> to sit here and talk about, honestly. Uh, <laughs> so we got uh, two news stories up this week. Blake, what do we have up first? Oh, man. So we got Google Glass back in the hot seat on Human Factors Cast this week. So a team has been working for six years on assistive technology for children with autism, which the kids then themselves have named superpower glasses the system provides behavioral therapy to the children in their homes where where social skills are often first learned it uses the glasses outward facing camera to record the children's interaction with family members and then the software detects the faces in those videos and interprets their expressions of emotion through an app carriers can review auto curated videos of social interactions so do we want to go through this little blurb uh, we can go through the scenario, but that that's really it. So, so uh, yeah, Google Glass has created this, uh, or th- or this team has worked with Google Glass to basically make it um, uh, possible for autistic children to understand or at least see emotions, uh, and th- that's cool. It's that's so cool. incredible. Positive, positive, uplifting news. We love it. Yes, we do, and it's just it's fun to see yet again, like bringing Google Glass 
that like seems to just be mislaunched and didn't really like didn't work well the first time but seeing it retrofitted with different other kind of software and technology associated with it to help people of different all different walks of life from like we've seen the industrial applications similar to what we've seen with hololens before but now this is kind of like taking you know behavioral therapy and psycho psychological behavioral therapy and then rolling it into software inside of glasses to help kids like recognize emotion out in the world um and kind of know how to react or how to learn a little bit more about social interaction skills. And it's great. It's great that you can start in the home where this is typical of somebody with our child with autism to be learning a lot of their first social skills. Yeah. So I want to go through this scenario because I think this really kind of, uh, this really kind of highlights what it might be like in a real world scenario. So, um, they use Jimmy as an example. It's, it's dinner time. Uh, mom is rushing to get dinner on the table. She pulls all the silverware out, uh, puts it in a pile on the counter. Um, and Jimmy, who's on the autism spectrum, basically, uh, he, he wants that to be orderly. So he goes up to the silverware and starts putting them away back where they belong. Um, and Jimmy hears shouting. His mom is loud. Her face looks different. But he continues to do what he's doing. Right now, imagine the scenario with this Google Glass technology. Uh, you know, when when Jimmy looks up at his mom, the heads up display on Google Glass, it actually turns green, it gives a green box, uh, which alerts to Jimmy that it, it found a face, uh, which is his mom's face. And as he focuses, it will show an emoji um, and it will, you know, basically say your mom is angry. Um, and that way he can start to think about why his mom might be angry or annoyed and you know maybe he he then changes his behavior because he gets that extra input that he just can't register that's a really cool concept that it's using something like really really simple in terms of like what is it how does it communicate with the operator what what it's trying to tell you through the heads-up display so using an emoji or something that they might be have experience with if they used mobile phones before or if they've seen them on the internet or anything like that so that's kind of a cool way to quickly you know, provide almost like stoplights for what emotions mean so they can quickly try and understand what's going on in the social situation I'm in and what am I not understanding. Um, and then I, I think it's incredible the ability, like, of course, like we talked about in the blurb, there is obviously this kind of machine learning that's going on to some degree where they're watching the Google Glass is being fed video so that it can understand, like, based off of the people that you'll typically interact with, here's what their faces look like and maybe what their social interactions will be. Um, but it's still awesome that it's basically using fa it's bringing in facial recognition technology, obviously a little bit of machine learning, depending on like how, how many different places they're interacting with and video that it's going to be feeding back in and then able to quickly and, you know, probably succinctly determine what the emotions on a face, a face is. Um, Cause that's something that's been well studied and that would be easy to kind of get a machine to really understand quickly. So this is just an awesome application of Google Glass in a context where kids maybe don't wouldn't be able to learn this a lot on their own with like with not a whole lot of maybe a therapist being in the home or having a lot of interaction with parents who could get frustrated and that kind of good stuff. So I, I want to bring up a point here um, and uh, we, we can talk about it. So have you well, first off, human emotion is very complex. Uh, have you seen this wheel of emotions or emotion wheel uh, where it kind of breaks down, um, you know, core human emotions into 
uh, I guess it's, you know, a, a core group of, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It looks like seven core emotions of happy, surprised, uh, bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, and sad. I've never heard of that. Uh, so it's it's an interesting. Just look up uh, "Wheel of Emotions" or "Emotion Wheel," uh, and you'll find it. Um, but it breaks these down into into seven different ones. And like, take happy for example, right? There's a there's a couple different emotions that encapsulate happy, right? Playful, content, interested, proud, accepted, powerful, peaceful, trusting, optimistic, and and even within playful, you have several different emotions aroused or cheeky uh with content you have free and joyful with interested you have curious and inquisitive right so there are different types of emotions and it keeps breaking it down um so human emotion is very complex that's my point uh and i i do have to mention that you know with this system they have already identified seven different emotions um so so you know at the very at the very minimum the, the system can detect happiness, anger, surprise, sadness, fear, disgust, and contempt. Those those uh, seven that I mentioned on the uh, the wheel there. Uh, so so at the very minimum, you know, it can detect that. Now, um, you know, this this will obviously help autistic kids get a get a uh, sort of ballpark of emotion. But because emotion is complex, you know, I'd I'd, I'd like to see further down what this looks like in a couple years where you know do we have do we have different emotions from disgusted to disappointed or disappointed even to appalled or revolted you know is there how do we capture that nuance of human emotion and and even this wheel that i'm referencing now even all these emotions that i'm talking about now these are very nuanced as well and I, I would imagine these these are just words that the English language has sort of um, artificially slapped on some of the things that we feel as humans, right? There's no, <laughs> this is language. And so it's, it's translate those thoughts and feelings and emotions into language, um, even though, you know, it's, it's more complex than this. Because I'm sure you can feel tired and appalled simultaneously and so it's like how do you you know i'm both tired and appalled how do you how do you how, how do you communicate that right and it's like um th- that's a really interesting challenge but i think you know we're off to a really great start with the seven core ones there and and uh i don't know what what are your thoughts on that whole breaking down emotions and so i'm not sure that i'm looking at the exact same one that you are but i've looked i'm I keep seeing the same one that looks like it's from, I'm going to mess this guy's last name up. It's Plutchik's Wheel of Emotions. And it is just, bro- like, for me even, as a, a human who feels like I I understand emotion to some degree, but even, like, figuring out how to determine the nuance between, you know, terror, fear, and apprehension. I mean, those are those words have distinctly different meanings, but I'm not even sure I would know what I'm looking at or how I would convey those three different things to one person through a quick technological solution. Like some of them would even just require explanation because terror and fear like I can I can almost gauge how you might see that in somebody's face. 
Um, but then how do you quickly explain what that means to, so- to somebody else who maybe doesn't quite understand emotions right. or doesn't understand the social interaction that's happening? And then on the opposite, like the, the, if you, the lighter tier of that, if you will, like trying to explain what apprehensive means um, from an emotional standpoint and like all the implications it has, it's just such like a squishy thing that we're trying to – well, not we are, but like people are trying to take and put a technological solution to, which is amazing. But like you said, I don't even know how I would think about trying to display nuances between these tiny emotions outside of the really large range ones, kind of like the rage, the terror, the ecstasy. Um, so it's 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 really an interesting problem set, and I just don't know how you would yeah. do it. And I I'm wondering if I could even if I even know the differences in some people's emotions on this scale, either. Like I think I only really look look and can determine the extremes. If you yeah, will. and that's another thing too is you and I are looking at two different scales right now. I'm looking at something different than what you're looking at, and there are various ways to categorize emotion and. We've just done it in two separate ways, and so how do you? Yeah, how do, it's it's the same problem though. How do you communicate uh, through uh, either a, an emoji, and and how do you tier it to in the same way that you might want to? You know, first just provide like a disgusted emoji to a to a child, but then you know as they get older and start to understand human emotion a little bit more, maybe then you start saying, you know, disappointment or disapproving or, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so it's all very complex. Uh, I don't have a good answer it's, for it. It's kind of funny because I'm wondering, because I, I haven't done a lot of whole, a whole lot of child psychology since I was in, I think not even grad school. That would have been just, uh, back in, you know, my undergraduate work. Um, and so I, w- I wonder if in this kind of case, just the kind of the emoji and the color alone would be enough of a cue to say like something's going on here and by like the color coding, if it's red, like you could associate that with yeah. anger or whatever it may be. Um, so even if the face wasn't enough, like you could get a sense based off of just color and then using it, maybe different faces within kind of the red category. So now I see the, the, list that you were looking at so furious versus just angry so a more agitated face versus just like i'm just kind of mad face um so that that might be one way they do it it's just using different faces and then kind of color coding it to quickly draw attention to the situation but i think nonetheless yeah. you're still gonna have to kind of explain the social interaction um a little bit it's more of cueing that something's happened and i need to right. i need to figure out what it was that happened through talking to the person once they've calmed down or whether or not upset or whatever it may be um, great first step man great great first step i'm i'm just really looking forward to where it's going like yeah absolutely let's talk about this in a couple of years i'm so excited to check in all right well we'll be back to break down our last news story I said we're only doing two right after this short break. Human Factors Cast strives to bring you the best in human factors chatter every week. We pack news, interviews, reviews, and overall fun conversations into each and every product that we put our seal of approval on. But we can't do it without you. You see, the Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running this show come from the listeners. That's why we're giving back to our supporters on Patreon now more than ever. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like 24-7 access to our exclusive Human Factors Cast Slack channel, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Cast Infinite, a Patreon-only podcast where the topic is human factors, etc. 
We're always updating our rewards. So stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you all. And remember, it depends. Okay, and we're back. And I do want to mention Human Factors Minute. I'm going to mention that every time I get, because this is something I'm so proud of. I say it every day on the show. Every time we... What is this? (laughs) Shut up, up, Blake. Shut up. (laughs) You're driving me nuts. If I was quarantined with you, this would be awful. (laughs) Human Factors Minute. Highly produced. I love it. I love it. Uh, We we, uh, tend to survey some of the the topics on the show. you know, as, as just kind of like a tease. Uh, I forget what we had dropped this week. I think it was Aviation History Part 1 that dropped this week. And like I said, we are always producing more of these. With the quarantine, we've produced so many of these. We have content for years. So uh, please, please join us on the Patreon. Uh, these drop every week. Uh, we have them scheduled through the next year and many more planned. Uh, this is something we're very excited about and think it's, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty great. <laughs> pretty great and i'm catalog cataloging a bloopers reel to release in 2021 there we go bloopers re- yeah right yeah <laughs> nick's going through listening to a lot of a lot of audio lots of bloopers uh all right so we got <laughs> we got one more news story up this week what do we got up next all right so finally something good has come out of the coronavirus pandemic so stuck in quarantine one teacher has resorted to vr to drop knowledge to his students and oh he did it using half-life alex so meet charles coomer coomber charles coomber a san diego-based teacher at ote ranch academy for the arts whose latest lesson on angular vocabulary has gone viral on youtube the whole thing has been recorded in half-life with mr coomber's Coomber using virtual windows as a makeshift whiteboard. So it's been pretty cool. And the strategy seems to be working pretty well so far for entertaining some of the students. And nearly half a million people have actually checked out this VR math lesson. Sure, not all of them are actually able to learn angle vocabulary, but speaking from experience, for me for sure, sometimes it's easier to learn things when you're actually having fun watching content or interacting with it. So if you're trying your best to avoid looking up what looking up the Alex footage because you're still on the fence about any blowing your pockets out for VR headsets or anything like that. Don't worry. You can check out all of this stuff on Mr. Coomber's lessons via YouTube. So this is kind of a fun and I actually didn't realize this was a brand new release. I think you were the one that keyed me into that um, since it's like a new valve VR release for half-life. But I thought it was awesome to see basically somebody doing, doing math inside a half-life um, so you again using a video game context outside of what it's originally intended for in kind of the situation we find ourselves in we're all trying to figure out what's the best way because I, I know for a lot of my friends that have students or have teacher or that are teachers and have students like trying to figure out like how many people do I put in a class things like that and how do I keep them both entertained and still learning throughout this time, it's been tough. So solutions like this that allow people to have like kind of on-demand content that's a little bit different than your traditional classroom setting or traditional webinar setting is pretty sweet. Yeah, let me give a little bit more context. So Half-Life Alex just came out this week. Uh, it, it Valve uh, is kind of notorious for making these games that um, do a lot with physics. And so... This is a, a VR game that a lot of people have been praising because you can kind of do a lot in VR. Um, and kind of a moment that sold a lot of people on the game is there's uh, there are dry erase markers on a table 
in a room where if you grab one with your virtual reality uh, controller using your hands, you grab one and you can put it up to a window and you can start drawing on the window. Um, and so that's what this teacher did. They actually did a lesson plan using this technology. I think Blake's mind is blown. I think he's actually watching the footage now. So <laughs> no, I got really excited because the website for it is beautifully put together. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, the, um, the, the teacher is basically taking these virtual markers and writing on a virtual window that's acting as a whiteboard to teach this uh, complex, complex idea here uh, with, uh, what is it? It's like math? Angular vocabulary? Angu yeah, like angular vocabulary. So it's some math lesson. That's, that sounds pretty intense already. So so part of the interesting thing, Blake, is that uh, with everything that's going on, internet companies have been throttling internet and have been dropping calls randomly in an attempt to help support everyone that's doing uh, a lot of streaming, anyone that's working from home now. Um, like I know Netflix is... Uh, uh, throttling, you know, resolution, and so is YouTube. Uh, and I think what happened right there was we got throttled. Uh, so, so Blake just and I just lost the action. <laughs> Blake and I lost the call. So, in an effort to make sure that we don't lose the call again, uh, I'm gonna gonna move us right onto Reddit. It came from. It came from. And then we'll get out of here. We'll make it a short episode. Uh, Blake, we have time for one, so I guess I'll go ahead and cover um, the only one, um, I think. Uh, I'm still waiting on my internet to come back up. What do we got? Let's see. So we have uh, one from, oh, you're going to make me say this name. Oh, I didn't even realize. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, This one's from the UX sub, Reddit, uh, and it is from ChocolatePoo82. And this is rhymes. That's nice. How do you go about remotely conducting user testing for a mobile app design? Hi, everyone. Like basically all of us, uh, the virus has got me stuck at home at my desk five days a week. The biggest hurdle I'm prepping to jump over or run into is conducting user testing on a mobile app I'm designing. The interactive prototype is hosted on Envision. What would you say is the best way to go about conducting user research with the prototype, considering it's a mobile app? I would have loved to have them actually use the prototype on a phone in hand while sitting in the same room with them, but obviously that can't happen. How else can someone test a mobile design while giving me the opportunity to look at the screen as they interact with it? Oh, excuse me. I would strongly uh, prefer they use mobile design on their phone rather than a desktop because obviously people have different natural inclinations with a phone in their hand versus a big monitor. I'm happy to use my webcam to test remotely, but how am I supposed to see what they're doing on their phone? Any ideas would be appreciated. Blake, how I... are you getting around the problems of COVID-19 <laughs> with remote user testing for a mobile app design? I think I got this one, actually. Um, yeah, depends too. on what uh, what operating system you're using. So I can give you one for a like if you're testing on Apple phones. So Apple has a remote or there's def so two, two things. You would have to have and get the person that you're testing with to download the Envision app so that you could just share the link with them and all that kind of good stuff, uh, typical normal stuff. But you would have them, and now this is where it gets tricky because you have to walk somebody through extra steps and thinking about how to use their own phone, um, but you could have them turn on their own screen recording device, and it just it basically is like any other screen recorder, like QuickTime, you 
press it, you got three seconds before it starts. Now it's going to give you some kind of weird red bar at the top, so you're going to lose kind of where the status bar is for everything. So you're not going to see like the AT and T or whatever provider the battery and that kind of thing, because that's where it's telling you that it's recording. But you can basically use that, watch them remotely, um, so that you can pick up on any kind of like emotional or visual cues if you see them kind of like disgusted looking at your application or whatever it may be. Um, and then that way you have a little bit more information. Um, and you can try your best to try and time stamp everything. So you could ask them to start, count them down from there. So like three, two, one, and then you can line that up with the video recording that you have. Um, that's one way you could go about it. Now, it, that's not going to be a perfect solution. And another great thing that you can do, since if you're going to do remote user testing at all, is just also prepare a debrief. So I know it's awesome to have people interact with the application get their thoughts. But in this case, you're probably going to really need to rely a little bit on talking to people about aspects of it afterwards. Since you're not going to be there in person, you're not going to be able to probably have as many, you might have some screw ups or whatever it may be, but definitely using like the, I'm sure Android has something like this too. Like a use the app that Envision provides through the app store uh, to send your link of your content. And then you can just have them record on their end and send you the video. Now, of course, that'll run you into some problems, but it's better than nothing. And then have a debrief at the very end so you can talk through any concepts that you were kind of fuzzy on throughout the test. Yeah, I will say, you know, working through things remotely for the entire world, things are going to move slower, and that's okay. Um, I think, for the most part, everyone's kind of understanding that things are going to move slower. And so I think a lot of Blake's suggestions are great. You know, be uh, have some sort of screen recorder, uh, you know, uh, they, they have to download the Envision app. That is one additional hurdle. However, what I would recommend also in this case is when you set up user tests, you might have been able to just crank them out in 30 minutes, maybe schedule an hour. Uh, and within that hour, actually sit down with them and say, okay, now I need you to go to the app store. I need you to download this. I need you to put in this link. I'm going to send it to you through email. Um, and you can try to counteract some of that through um like a like a email that's sent out beforehand um and just say hey these are the instructions for setting it up uh if you can't get it to work no worries i'll walk you through it in the moment uh but build in that extra time things are going to be slow right now and you have to understand that um, yeah, and, and to jump on the back of that pay people a little bit more yeah. for spending the time uh, to do this with you i was gonna say too a lot of people right now are in financial hardships and so if you're looking for users make sure that you're compensating them appropriately for their time um i think that go a long way right and i know sometimes you're not in charge of that but if you are um that that would go a long way uh so a couple of things that i can kind of rattle off my head that i i see as potential pain points uh as someone who's trying to conduct these user tests remotely is well what if the person doesn't have a webcam is that a requirement for actual user testing? I think perhaps it should be. Um, so maybe setting that forward in your call for people saying, hey, you need to have a functioning webcam that can, uh, uh, you know, that you can aim at your phone, um, you know, because a lot of people will potentially use their phone as the webcam and say, OK, I'm on video conference. Here I am. Well, no, I actually need to see your phone. I need to see what you're doing. You need a computer with a webcam so that we can see your phone. Live yeah, the instructions in the are going to be key for this. Right. So I would take extra time, 
make sure your instructions are super clear. Make sure that you can accommodate people the best you can and uh, go with a lot of the devi- uh, the advice that uh, Blake mentioned. Um, I will say, you know, take take some extra time. Make sure that webcam, uh, you can see the, ca- the, the phone, right? Make sure you, that you can see it because if, if you can't see it um, and you're looking at the interaction through Envision, you know, you want to make sure that you can see the phone. Like, you know, if, they, if you can't see it, tell them, hey, can you angle it down so I can actually see what you're doing? Uh, hey, is there any way we could put it over your shoulder so I could, you know, match it to the screen? Um, that way, you know, you get the angle from two views. Uh, so th- those are things to consider. Again, just kind of spend the extra time, plan for the extra time. Everything is slow right now. People are still getting used to remote working technology. Um, so build it in. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today, everyone. Let us know what you think of the shorter format. That's a little different, uh, but I think it's happier news, and I think it's uh, a little bit better for those of us who are not commuting um, to kind of have a hope to get this in. Uh, In the meantime, if you want to join the discussion on our Slack, you can certainly do that, uh, or you can follow us at any of our social channels at H-Factors Podcast. If you want to write in, uh, too shy to be, uh, you know, in the Slack with (laughs) all the other folks, you can always uh, send us an email, showhumanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, you can leave us a review on your podcast medium of choice. Uh, It's especially helpful right now when people are looking for things to kill the time. Uh, If you do have the time, uh, we would really appreciate it if you would go leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. Um, It does help out the show a lot. It helps people find the show. It helps people uh, make informed decisions about whether or not they want to download and listen to the show. Uh, and especially now, it's it's very helpful. Um, or if you want to go a step further, you can always support us on our Patreon. Like I said, we are very, very excited about Human Factors Minute. Um, and that also goes a long way. Blake does not know what that is. He's over there confused. And of course, you can always reach us at our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. Mr. Blake Arnsdorf, thank you for joining me virtually in this tele-session of uh, Human Factors Cast. Where can our listeners go and find you? If they want to talk about uplifting news not pertaining to the world events. <laughs> Guys, if you, if you want to talk about uplifting news, you can always find me in the Slack. Uh, always hang out in there. I'm in there much more than I have been in the past because I am at home, have access to my phone all the time. Uh, you can reach me anywhere on social media at Don't Panic UX. And uh, I think we're going to try and do a little more on Twitch as well. So you can find me there at Don't Panic UX too, I think. Excellent. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again, everyone. We really appreciate the time that you spend with us. We know that if you made it this far, you are choosing to spend time to listen to this show. So thank you so much. Until next time, please stay healthy, stay happy, and it depends. depends. Nicholas has left the call. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience.
These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense. 